when one of my daughters was, was quite young in preschool, we brought her to eye doctor to get her eyes checked out, and um, turned out she needed glasses. And so we talked to the eye doctor, and the, the general recommendation was, well, you can get them, but she's young, she's three or four. Um, she might wear them some and might not wear them some. And, and perhaps by the time she's in kindergarten or first grade, um, she realized that she needs these. And so we decided to go ahead and get the glasses. And, and my wife and my daughter went and they got her glasses and they tried them on. And, and they were walking out of the doctor's office and they, they came across the floor mats, right? The ones that we walk across every day and don't think twice about at the entrance to buildings. They, they came to those and my daughter stopped in her tracks. She said, Mom, this mat, it has lines in it. They went outside and passed a lovely tree, and, and they were walking right on past those trees that we walk by every day and we never even noticed, and my daughter stopped in her tracks. And she held up some Spanish moss and looked at it in amazement, this new thing that she had discovered that the rest of us would have walked by without a second thought. She could see clearly. It's not like she couldn't see. She could see, but now she could really see. And that little girl, that three- or four-year-old girl, she wore her glasses every day, all day, um, even to this point. There was never a problem getting her to wear her glasses because she could see and she could see clearly. And I think that's the where Mark is trying to bring us in his, in his gospel reading this morning, or, or more precisely what Jesus wants to show us with this healing, is that, that we need to see clearly that too often we are seeing Jesus with distorted vision. Sometimes we're, we don't see Him at all, or we're blind to Him altogether, but I think a common, um, a common problem for us is we, we see Jesus with distorted vision. And what Mark is doing in this gospel, the very purpose of this gospel, is to invite us to see Jesus clearly and to, to ask this question, who is this man? And once we've answered it, or once Jesus has answered it for us, to actually see Him clearly for who He really is. And so I invite you to follow along with me this morning. We're in Mark Chapter 8, verses 22 to 30, whether you have your Bible or you have a Bible app on your phone, um, consider looking it up. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 30, and we're going to look at this, this, what is, can only be described as a rather peculiar healing from Jesus. So we see there in verse 822 that Jesus has come with his disciples to the town of Bethsaida. And there in Bethsaida, some people have brought to him a blind man, and they've begged Jesus to touch him. Now, they certainly probably have some compassion on their friend, and they want to see him healed. There's probably a level of um, a personal self-interest. They want to see if this Jesus can really give them a sign. Are you really who you say you are? Well, then here, heal this blind man. But either way, they brought this blind man to Jesus seeking healing. Now, as readers of seven chapters of Mark's gospel at this point, we know, and certainly Jesus' disciples know, that he could knock this one out pretty quick, right? He's done plenty of healings, many of them seeming more amazing than this one. Um, he touched, a woman touched his garments, right? Do you remember that? And she was healed just because she touched the robes that he was wearing. 
He's had a long-distance exorcism that we've seen. He's raised a little girl from the dead. Certainly, this blind man standing right in front of him could be healed pretty quick, right? Maybe. Let's see. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And so you see, this is not going to be a public healing. This is going to be a, a private, intimate healing. He led, them out of the, led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid hands on him, Jesus asked the man, do you see anything? And already we're like, well, you, don't you know the answer to that question, Jesus? You know. And the man says, looked up and said, well, I see men. But they look like trees walking. It's like it didn't take. What happened? It was kind of a healing, but not fully. And so Jesus tries again there in verse 25. Jesus laid his hands on the man again, on his eyes again. The man opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. He saw it clearly. Well, what are we to make of this miracle? This two-stage miracle, what, what happened? Was Jesus tired the first time? He's been walking all day, or, or maybe he had a mental lapse, and, and he healed him once, and he said, oh, I didn't quite get it, let me try again. It was good recovery, Jesus, you got it. Or maybe, maybe he's just getting past his healing prime, right? He's 33 years old, he's got a, a few years of wear and tear on him, maybe he's just getting a little slow. No, it's not. None of that is possibly the case. We know this is completely inconsistent with the gospel and who we know Jesus to be. And so we have to look at this differently. Why? Why is Jesus doing this miracle in this way at this time? Because that's going to give us insight into what he's trying to tell us. Now, remember the purpose of Mark's gospel. He wants to tell the story of Jesus that begs us to ask the question, who is this man? Now, interestingly enough, we as readers get the inside scoop in the very first chapter, in the very first verse. It says, this is the gospel of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. We know. Interestingly enough, the demons in Mark's gospel, they know. When they meet Jesus, they know exactly who He is. What do you have to do with us, Son of Man, Son of God? Leave us alone. They know who He is. The crowds, well, they don't, they don't get it. They think he's some sort of great teacher or, or sage or even a prophet, right? The Jewish leaders think he's a blasphemer and a rabble-rouser, and he's, he's becoming an increasing threat to their power. Jesus' own family thinks he's crazy, and they would like nothing more than to get him out of the public eye and get him back home where he can stop embarrassing himself and them. And the disciples... These men who have had front row seats to everything, these men who, who are constantly getting called aside and explained the meaning of the parables and the meaning of the miracles, these disciples through seven and a half chapters of Mark's gospel remain blind to who Jesus is. Jesus calmed a storm. They were afraid. Jesus fed 5,000. He walked on water, and then he calmed another storm. And the Scripture says that their hearts were hardened. Jesus fed 4,000 more, 
And he tried to teach them just last week, right? He tried to teach them a very important lesson about the the scribes and the Pharisees. And the only thing the disciples could think about was the fact that they were hungry and they didn't have any bread. Except, But all those other people got some. Do you remember that? They could not hear Jesus. They were blind to him. And finally, in verse 21, he, he asks almost exasperatedly, you can see him picture him throwing up his hands, do you not yet understand? Do you not yet see? We've come to a turning point in Mark's gospel. This is this two-stage healing. It is, begins a, a new section. And what, what Jesus is illustrating is to the disciples is, is this is a, a response to their blindness, a response to that question. Do you not yet understand? Do you not yet see? Jesus, uh, this healing miracle, shows them how they will see, shows us how we often come to see Jesus. When we come to Jesus, we often come to Him with distorted vision, and we need to see Him clearly. Look at verses 27 to 30. Jesus went on with His disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. This is immediately after the healing. On the way, He asked them, who do people say that I am? And they told Him, John the Baptist, and others say, Elijah. And others say, one of the prophets. And he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. Peter gets it now. He's gone from do you not understand to being able to say, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. Nevertheless, the fact that they have eyes opened does not mean that they see Jesus clearly. And so to this point, Mark is, or Jesus has been trying to get to the disciples to recognize this one thing, that He is the Messiah. And so He does miracles, and He, he does healings, and He exercises demons, and He shows His authority over all things, even the created order, by calming storms. And, and the disciples finally get it, and they say, oh, you are the Messiah, you are the one. And now we're going to see Jesus start to tell them what that really means. Because when they say Messiah, they do not understand what it really means. They're expecting a military Messiah, right? A a ruler charging in on a horse to overthrow an empire. But Jesus begins to teach them that the Messiah must die. He must suffer many things and he must be raised from the dead. This happens in the very next verses. And what, what does Peter do? This same Peter, who seems to have his eyes wide open, calls Jesus aside. He says, Jesus, I don't think you get, get it. This isn't what the Messiah does. He doesn't die. He doesn't suffer. He wins. And Jesus rebukes Peter. And he'll rebuke the disciples at least two more times in the next three chapters because they see Jesus, but not clearly. Not clearly. And so Jesus has to redefine Messiah for them. He has to teach them what it means. And, and we see this, we see then now what this, what this healing really is doing. It's showing us how we come to see Jesus. First, we see him, but not clearly. 
And only over time and, and through um, years of walking with him do we begin to see who he really is. The disciples receive their spiritual sight in stages, and so it is with us. When we come to Jesus, too often we see him opaquely and darkly, a shadow of who he really is. And we need our eyes to be further opened, further clarified. This, friends, is a common experience to have our eyes opened to Jesus but to not see him clearly. Just like the disciples, we're bringing with us our own set of assumptions and expectations. Now, we might not be expecting a a military ruler to charge in with a tank to overthrow an empire, but we still come with our own preconceived notions of who Jesus is. Some of us come to Jesus expecting a lawgiver, someone who doles out rules and regulations and judgment and shame. And when we come to this Jesus, our only hope is to live a life of more good things than bad things, then maybe Jesus will accept us on that last day. Some of us come to Jesus, the culture warrior, hoping that he will establish a a Christian political culture. Some of us come to Jesus, the inclusive affirmer, who wants to do nothing more than affirm us for who we really are and affirm all of our behaviors and all of our actions. But these are all seeing this Messiah opaquely, not clearly, as as trees walking. In many ways, all of these folks see Jesus, but they're seeing very different versions of Him, and, and none of those versions of Jesus can actually reconcile you to God. The only way we are reconciled to God is by the Jesus who was crucified on the cross for our sin, raised in glory, and who sits at the right hand of the throne of God. This Jesus we need to see clearly. He offers us forgiveness of our sins. He does not expect proper behavior in order to be reconciled with God. We see a Jesus clearly who is glorified not in power, but in humility and weakness. A Jesus whose glory is seen in death. And then he's raised from the dead. We see Jesus the Lord sitting at the right hand of God, inviting us to come to the throne of God in grace, and yet inviting us to be transformed into His image. He does not affirm us where we are. He welcomes us where we are and invites us to leave our old ways behind, to leave behind our old habits and addictions. This is the Jesus who saves us, who gives us grace, who welcomes us into His kingdom. He's seen in humility and self-sacrifice. And when those things are reflected in our lives, that is a sign that we are beginning to see Him clearly. Friends, that's my prayer for this church, that we would see Jesus so clearly that we would willfully give up our lives and ourselves for the sake of others in the same way He gave up His life for us, that we would follow Him closely and clearly, 
and follow him into his kingdom, proclaiming his gospel for all the world to see. Let us pray.